Good morning, Calvary Church. Am I on? Maybe? No? Yes? No? Maybe so? Since I'm not mic'd, I'm just going to say, for all the non-49ers fans, I'm sorry, you know. We have to, I got to deal with this all the time, so now you know what it's like, so. Yeah. I sound good? Yeah, okay. Good morning, guys. It's great to see you. It's great to hear you. Uh, we are so glad you've joined us this morning for worship. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. And uh, yeah, it's just great to have you guys this morning. Uh, I love the days when the kids are in here. Um, you guys are awesome. One of the things we asked the kids was to draw a picture of their favorite Bible story. And if they want to, uh, I'll take a picture of that after the service and share it on our uh, social media. So think about that, guys. Make a good picture and we'll share it with everybody. Um, and we, we asked them to do that because today we we are going to be talking about the Bible and the way that we read the Bible. Um, it's pretty common when the new year rolls around, when January 1s, a lot of people start a Bible reading plan with the, with the goal of reading the whole Bible in a year. And uh, we're only a few weeks into the new year. We're almost through January. And so if you're one of those people and you're still going strong, I just want to say good job. You guys are rolling. Keep going. You can do this. Um, but the farther along we get in the year— you start to roll out of Genesis and, you know, those good stories about Abraham, and you get into some of the harder parts of the Bible, right? And if you're really ambitious, you might have already run into something like Leviticus. And Leviticus is where Bible reading plans go to die, right? You get there, and you start talking about animal sacrifice for five chapters, and you think, what, is, what in the world? What do I do with this? And for the next week, all I'm doing is animal sacrifice, and uh, it gets really easy to get off the rails and get behind, and it kind of falls apart uh, before you can even get into it. Um, there's other places in the Bible, too, especially the Old Testament, where we ask ourselves, what am I reading? And how, how do I use this? How do I even understand what's going on? Um, it's, it's difficult. It doesn't feel like reading the Bible is helping me. I love Jesus. I want to do what I'm supposed to, but I don't really see how this is, is doing anything for me. And these are, these are fair questions, and if you're there today or this week or have been there last year, I, I have been there too. I understand what you're feeling. Um, many of the books of the Bible are hard to understand. And if we can just be totally honest, sometimes they can be kind of boring when you're reading through and, and you're, you know, reading through these animal sacrifices. It's, it's okay to feel that way. But while it can be challenging, Jesus shows us the value in reading the Bible, and not just our favorite stories, not just the Gospels that tell the, about the life of Jesus, but about the entire Bible, all 66 books that we have. Um, and, and Jesus is going to show us the value of Scripture. And as followers of Jesus, we want to take his lead. We want to read the Bible the way Jesus read the Bible. And that's what we want to look at today, to see the value that Jesus sees in all of Scripture. So turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This is where Jesus gives his disciples a picture into the way he viewed the Bible, the way he read the Bible, and the way that he saw all of Scripture as being about him. The way he saw all of Scripture as being about him. We're going to be in verses 44 through 49. While you're turning there, just a little bit of background. Chapter 23 is where we read about the resurrection. Um, in, in the previous chapter, we've read about Jesus' arrest and his execution, his burial on the cross. 
And then uh, in chapter 24, we get the resurrection stories. We hear about him and the empty tomb and the angels telling the first people to get there that Jesus has risen. And then we go and we see these two disciples who are walking, taking a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And this mysterious person comes alongside and walks with them on the journey and opens their minds to understand the Bible. And then behold, it's Jesus. And then he disappears as quickly as he came. And then finally, um, in verses uh, uh, 36, we see that Jesus appears to the disciples themselves, to the, to the 11 who are left. Um, they've been gathering together to talk about these reports of Jesus appearing and Jesus being alive. And then, bam, he's in the room with them. And they're like, whoa, it's Jesus. He's standing right there. Um, and then Jesus proves to them that this isn't just a ghost. It's not just a hallucination. He says, come here, guys. Like, touch the, the, the nail holes in my hands. And look at my side that's been pierced. And you know what? I'm really hungry, so if you could spare some of that fish, I'd really could use a meal. Uh, Jesus is showing them this is real. I, am, I have risen from the dead. I have defeated death, and I am bodily resurrected. That's the, the whole point of this. Um, and so Jesus is with them, but Jesus is not going to remain with them in, in a bodily, physical form forever. Luke and Acts tell us about how Jesus spent about 40 days after his resurrection, on and on, with his followers, preparing them, teaching them, explaining to them all that had happened with his death and resurrection. This is, this, during this time, he gives them critical instructions, and he shows them how to understand not just his life and, and the events of the end of his life and his resurrection, but all of Scripture. And in these verses we're going to read today, we get a summary of this instruction he gave to his disciples. This is almost like a little bit Bible reading 101 with Jesus. And we should, that should tune our ears up, right? If there's anyone we want to show us how to read and understand the Bible, it's Jesus. And so here we get to, to picture in and get in on this teaching session that he gives his disciples to see how Jesus reads the Bible and understands it as being about himself. So read with me in Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. And then he said to them, Jesus, These are my words, that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of, sh- of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem." You are witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Church, let's pray together before we study this passage. Father, we love you and we are so thankful for your word. And we are thankful that you have given us instruction on how to understand it. And how to use this Bible that you have given us. Father, I pray that today you would uh, be with our time of study. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your eyes. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. So in these verses, like we said, Jesus is connecting the dots. Jesus is helping his followers to understand what is going on. And he begins by connecting his former teaching, the the words that he gave them when he was with them during his three years of ministry, 
with the events that have gone on in these last couple days. It says, these are the words um, that I spoke when I was still with you. This is their day-to-day life, the three years of ministry where Jesus was going around with his disciples. He's reminding them of everything he's been teaching them for years, everything they've been hearing. And he's saying this connects perfectly with what just happened. This connects with my death. This connects with my burial and with my resurrection. This is what I was talking about. The crucifixion and the resurrection are not accidents where God is making the best of a bad situation. Um, They are the plan from the very beginning. Um, And they make sense of all the things that Jesus has been saying. And the disciples like us, they were a little bit slow to catch on, right? Jesus would say things like, hey guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be, I must suffer and die. And they'd be like, what does that mean? Uh, And then he'd get there and he suffered and died. And they were like, whoa, that's what he meant. And like, yeah, I've been trying, guys. But anyway, this all explains and brings together what he's been talking about. Um, This is what he means when he says the words that I spoke when I was with you. And we get a summary message of what he's been teaching and what he's accomplished in verse 46. It says, Jesus, the Messiah, will suffer, and on the third day he will rise from the dead. And that because of what he did, the forgiveness of sins would be preached all over the world, free for anyone who would repent and believe. Jesus dies and he rises to save us from our sin. And this is the gospel. It is the story of who Jesus is and what he did for us. The message that Jesus taught with his words and his ministry and the, and the message that he lived out and accomplished by his life, his death, and resurrection is all one and the same. His teaching and his action, what he does for us, the gospel. But Jesus' gospel goes beyond just his words and these actions that they've seen. What he has been teaching them is the message of all of Scripture. He connects it even farther back. He says, my message fit my actions, but it also fits the entire Scripture that you've been reading your whole lives. It fits perfectly what was predicted by the prophets, what what you have been hearing written. I make sense of all of this. Jesus tells his disciples that all of Scripture is written about him. I'll say that again. All of Scripture is written about him. Jesus tells them that his life and his teaching, they had to happen. He says it was necessary that these things would come because the scriptures wrote about them. It was necessary that I die, that I suffer, that I rise again in three days because this is what the scriptures wrote about. They were writing about me. And Luke says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture. He's the key that unlocks everything, that makes it all make sense to see how all of the pieces connect and how they all center and lead us to him. For the disciples, when Jesus talks about Scripture, we think of Old and New Testament, right? For them, it's just the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. They're still before that time, so they don't even have all of the things that we have, all of the explanation of how this fits together. That's, in fact, part of what Jesus is giving them in these 40 days. For them, the Scriptures is the Old Testament, the first two-thirds of our Bible. And they often grouped their Bible in three different sections, the law, the prophets, and the writings. And the writings is just kind of all the other books that kind of don't fit in the other two categories, right? And this is what Jesus mentions when he talks about the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Moses is the five books of the Bible, the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the really cool stories at the beginning, and then it kind of slows down with the law. That's all Moses when he talks about that. That's the law. The prophets is Jeremiah, Isaiah, and for them it would have been the books that we call historical, the book of Samuel and Kings that tell the story of David and about the kingdom of Israel. That's all the prophets. 
And the Psalms was a way that they used to refer not just to what we call the book of Psalms, but all the books of poetry and wisdom that come after it. Proverbs, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, all of that stuff. What Jesus is saying is that all of it, everything in there, points towards me. Not just the really cool sections, not just the ones that we have a a heading that says like a messianic prophecy. All of it is pointing to him, from the most famous passages to the ones we've never heard heard of. Shout out Obadiah. Uh, If you know what's in Obadiah, good job. Um, But even Obadiah is important, and it points to Jesus. I didn't mean to take shots at Obadiah like that. There's good stuff there. If you're a fan of Obadiah, good for you. Um, Jesus opens the minds of his disciples to see the Bible in a new way and to see how it all points to him. And this is the same thing he told the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that we talked about, right? Uh, look at verses uh, 20. This is earlier in the chapter. This is verses 25 and 27. This is when he's talking with them, and they're just confused about what's been happening. And Jesus kind of plays along, and, and finally he, he explains it to them. And he says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In all the scriptures, there are things concerning Jesus, things that lead us to him, things that draw us to him as the center of scripture. Jesus reads the Bible like every part of it is about himself. And he's right. It is about himself. If there's anyone who can tell us what the Bible says, it is Jesus, the divine son of God, who is the word of God himself in flesh, who is the author of scripture. Jesus knows what the Bible is, and he tells us that it is about himself. Now this is a really big deal, and it would seem really crazy to the disciples if they hadn't just seen him raised from the dead right? That gives you a lot of credibility to tell you stuff about yourself and about the Bible when you just rose from the dead and appeared in a room to them, right? So they've seen the most miraculous thing of all, and so he is able to connect the dots to them. He's able to show them how this works and and a completely different way to understand what they've been reading their whole lives. It's like putting glasses on for the first time, and before you could see the stuff, it's the same view you're looking at. Before it was blurry and out of focus, and now the glasses come on, you can see with clarity, you can see the details. You can, you can really see accurately. Jesus is the pair of glasses, the lenses that let us see what's really there, what's really accurately. Um, so how does this break down? What is Jesus really saying about the Bible? What, what lessons is he bringing us to? Um, because after all, most of what he would call the Old Testament was written hundreds, if not thousands of years before he was born in Bethlehem. So what does it mean to say that Jesus, all of scripture is about him? Um, it's not like, where's Waldo, right? Where you have to like peek through the words and say, like, oh, there he is. Like, oh, if you rearrange this letter, it says Jesus. That's not what he means. So what exactly does he mean? Well, first, in a really simple way, the Bible is about him. The Bible is about Jesus. The Bible is designed in every way to lead us to him. It starts us on a path that must always end with Jesus. In another uh, of the Gospels, in John five thirty nine, Jesus criticizes the religious leaders um, and the Bible scholars of their time, these people who dedicated their lives to understanding the Old Testament. Um, and he, he kind of scolds them for missing the point of what they were reading. And this is what he says. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. A little later in verse 46, he says, if you believed Moses, and remember again, that was the writer of the first five books of the Bible, 
then you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. That's verse 46. Scripture brings us to know God and to find salvation for our sin by bringing us to Jesus. And even the words of Moses, written 2,000 years earlier, before he was born, are leading us to Jesus. Every verse in the Bible has a connection to Jesus. And that means we haven't really understood what it means. We haven't correctly interpreted a verse or a passage or a story until we find its connection to Jesus. It's incomplete. Without Jesus, we cannot come to the complete and correct understanding of any part of the Bible. That's where it always leads. That's where it points us to. The Bible is about Jesus. It points us to him. Have you ever been in one of those, like, um, this was a a place I went to. It was like a a physical science museum, and it was for kids, and they had this big thing designed to show you, like, marbles and how that works, right? Uh, The centripetal force, or I'm not a science person. I don't remember what it was showing. I just remember you could drop these marbles in this big old huge container, and they would spin around in a fast circle until they finally got to the hole. That's kind of what the Bible is like. It's big. There's tons of parts of it, but there's a gravity to it that brings you down to the center. And no matter where you are in that spinning circle, no matter what part of it you might be, the place where it's always going to take you is the center. The place where it's always going to take you is Jesus. All roads lead to Jesus. The force, the gravity of Jesus will bring you there eventually. And if it doesn't, you've messed up. You've gotten lost along the way. The Bible is about Jesus. Jesus also tells us that the Bible's promises are fulfilled in him. This is told in 2 Corinthians uh, one twenty. This is where the Apostle Paul, who has received this instruction from the disciples about how to read the Bible, he writes that all of the promises of God find their yes in him. They find their yes in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the one who carries out or brings um, into action the good things that God has promised us. The whole Bible is about God's promise to defeat sin to free us from the problems that we brought upon ourselves in Genesis 3 when we chose to disobey God and all of the evil that is in our world. He comforts and provides for us in the Psalms. He tells us of a perfect king, a holy priest, and a faithful prophet who will come. All of these things are found in Jesus. Jesus is the only one who completes them. He accomplishes all of the promises through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we only know the greatness and vastness of Jesus' work, of what he's truly done to us, when we see the promises of God foretold in the Old Testament. We don't realize the riches and and the beauty of what Jesus has done until we've been prepared for it by reading about this waiting, about this anticipation, about this looking forward to the one who would bring all these promises to be. It means reading the Old Testament prepares us and it makes our view of Jesus bigger. The more we read the whole Bible, the more we see the beauty and greatness of Jesus. Kendrick and I went back and forth on this. I think it's really cool. The Old Testament is like the alley and Jesus is like the oop, right? So LeBron James is driving down the court. He's got the defense on his toes and he throws that ball up and AD is there to come and, and smash it down and bring it home and make the dunk, right? It's all prepared. It's waiting and we're in midair waiting to see what's going to happen. And Jesus comes and pulls it down and completes it and brings it all the way home. If you like basketball, Kendrick's all football. This is basketball talk, right? Jesus is the hoop. This is a more uh, fancy way of describing what I just said. Um, This is from a theologian named B.B. Warfield who lived about 100 years ago. And he described the Old Testament like this. He said, The Old Testament can be likened to a chamber richly furnished but dimly lighted. 
The introduction of light brings into it nothing which was not in it before, but it brings out into the clearer view much of what is in it, but was only dimly or not even at all perceived before. Thus, the Old Testament revelation of God is not corrected by fuller revelation that brings it, but only perfected, extended, and enlarged. That's why I said alley and oop first, because it's a little bit, you know, shorter. Um, What he's saying is, like, the Old Testament is this room that has this beautiful, beautiful furniture and artwork, but the lights are off. And you can maybe feel a piece of it. You can maybe bump into some things and get an idea where things are, but you can't see it. And Jesus is turning on that light switch. Nothing's changed in the room, but now you can see it and appreciate it and, and see all of the fine detail and see the beauty that has always been there. Jesus is the light that fulfills the promise of the Old Testament and shows us the treasure that's been there from the beginning. So the Bible's about Jesus. The Bible's fulfilled in Jesus. And finally, the Bible tells the story of Jesus, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus summarized back in verse 46, right? The forgiveness of sins, the restoration to a real and healthy relationship with God that's been broken since the very first two people, the very first two human beings. Jesus is the answer to that problem. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the story at the heart of the entire Bible. And so all of that story builds to Jesus. There is no gospel without Jesus. There's no good news of the Bible without Jesus. And so ultimately, the Bible is all about Jesus because God has decided to use it to to bring us to him. God has decided to use the Bible to show us who he is and how we can know him, how we can be saved. All of us on our own are broken. We we can't know God on our own. We can't get to him, but even our our understanding is is broken. It's it's dim. It's, It's unable to get there. We need God to come to us, to teach us about himself and to bring us to him. And God has decided to use the Bible, to use Scripture to bring us to Jesus, to show us his saving love and grace and to make us into his people. And he has promised that his spirit works through this word. It works through the words contained in this book to bring us to God. The Bible contains God's truth and power because God has decided to put it there. So if it seems impossible and far-fetched that all of these writings from different times and different authors could be about Jesus, if it seems like no one could do that, remember that it is impossible, except for God, the one who made the universe, the one who is the Lord of history, the one who is the divine author of Scripture, who has protected it and preserved it throughout the centuries, and has chosen to bring us to God through Jesus in his word. Because God is God, all of Scripture points to Jesus. So the question for us today, if this is the way Jesus read the Bible, we need to ask ourselves, how can I read the Bible like Jesus did, right? If we're picking our teacher, if we're picking our method, um, who we want to follow, there's no better one than Jesus, right? Let's look at what he's doing and try and do the same thing, okay? We need to read the Bible like Jesus. Now, the best way to do this ultimately is to read it a lot, The more we read it, the more we know what's in there, the more we know the stories and the verses and its words are are in our minds shaping who we are, the more we're going to see these connections and we're going to see these patterns, um, the way they all hold together. We also need to read the Bible together with other people. That's why we gather as a church to hear from God's word, to be taught how these connections bring us to Jesus. That's why we use Bible study material that shows us how this leads us to Jesus. So why we listen to teachers and podcasts and any other resource you might have to bring us there. 
why in a community we can help each other to understand what is really there all the time. This is all really good. I meant to bring up, I brought my wrong Bible. There's a Bible called the Gospel Transformation Bible. It's really cool. It's just the Bible. It's a good translation. It has these study notes that just say, hey, this is a roadmap to Jesus. This is something that points to Jesus, and here's how we see it. It's just a helpful tool. Um, If you're interested in that, you can talk to me afterwards. I can show it to you. It's really helpful. But no matter where you are personally with the Bible, whether you've been reading it cover to cover for 50 years, or whether you've never picked it up before and you still don't know what Obadiah is, um, there are a couple strategies. There are a couple things we can do right away to help us see Jesus as the center of all of Scripture, to help us appreciate and read the Bible the way that Jesus does. So to close out our time today, I want to look at three things we can remember that will help us to read the Bible like Jesus. Three things to remember. The first is that we need to remember to read the Bible like a biography and not like an autobiography. Read the Bible like a biography and not an autobiography. Our tendency, our tendency is usually to jump straight to, how does this help me today? How can I apply this to my life? How can I use Leviticus chapter 5 today in what I'm doing? And the answer might be no clue. Like, I don't know how this helps you. This is really difficult to do. But usually that's because that's the wrong question to start with. It's okay to look for application. That's helpful. That's good. But that's later down the road. We need to start by looking at who this book is about. And it's not about you. And it's not about me. And when we start with us, we're reading the Bible like it's our biography or like it's our autobiography, like it's written about us. It's telling me the story of me and it focuses on me and I'm the main character and it's gonna help me do what I wanna do. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible's not our autobiography. The Bible is a biography that tells the story of Jesus. And so when we open the Bible, we need to begin by saying, where does this show me Jesus? How does this relate to Jesus? That's where we have to begin. And we'll get the application later. We'll get to where it relates to us because as followers of Jesus, we are in Christ. We are united to Christ. But it must begin with him. We always start by finding out how we are reading leads us to Jesus. So a couple ways. How do we find him? How do we see him in what we're reading? Well, sometimes it's really easy, like the gospel passage we just read. Where do you find Jesus? It says, Jesus. Hey, I found him. There it is. That's really easy to understand, right? He's directly mentioned. That's the New Testament. That's the gospels. Great. Got it. There are other times, especially in the Old Testament, where what you see is more like foreshadowing. It's more like these hints that only later on do you realize, oh, this is talking about Jesus, isn't it? We call these types sometimes. These are people, places, or events that point us forward to Jesus. You can think of someone like David. David is a king, um, and he is the promised king. And so we always read in the Old Testament about David and David's descendant and how David will have this eternal throne and how David will deliver his people. Well, David's dead. So we're pointing to someone else, someone like David, but better. Someone who's a king like David, but a better king. That's a foreshadowing that points us to Jesus. So look for foreshadowing. Look how these events, these actions remind us of Jesus, how they look forward to what he's going to do. And the last idea is we can look for these big ideas, these themes that remind us of Jesus. When the Bible talks about sin, how messed up we are as people, that should remind us, I need a savior. I need someone who can take this sin away from me. And the Bible is ultimately going to give me that Savior in Jesus. When we read about God's love and his faithfulness and his promises, well, all of those are only fulfilled in Jesus. God's love comes to me in Christ, in Jesus. The promise of forgiveness and salvation, those are brought to us in Jesus. Look for the big themes. Those themes will always bring you to the cross. They will always bring you to Christ. 
So first, we read like a biography and not an autobiography. The second reminder is we remember to read with the whole story in mind. Read with the whole story in mind. Remember that the Bible has one divine author. The Bible fits together. It tells one story of God's grace coming to us. God made everything good. And we fell. We messed it up. We introduced corruption and sin and evil into this world. And we are unable to save ourselves. We're unable to fix this mess that we started. But God did not forget us. He came as Jesus to live, die, and rise again to make us new people, to forgive us from our sins, and finally to restore all things, to make all things new. This is the story that all of Scripture is pointing to. From Genesis 1 to the last chapter of Revelation, this is the story, and its center is Jesus. This is a lot like seeing a movie with a big twist. And once you see that twist, it changes everything that came before, right? The old one is the sixth sense. Uh, Kids, you've never heard of that. It was 20 years before you were born. But the, the twist of the movie, spoiler alert, is he's been dead the whole time. And you look back and you see, oh no, no one ever talked to him. He's been there the whole time. Oh, it changes everything. And now, whenever you watch that movie, you can't unsee it. And you see all of the connections. You see how it all pieces together and how it all fits. The twist of the Bible is that it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who brings all things together. And so don't read the Bible like you don't know the ending. We know the ending. We know it brings us to Christ. So look for him. See where he is there. Remember the twist. Once you know Jesus, everything else fits into place. Read with the whole story in mind. And finally, we need to remember to read with the gospel in mind. Read with the gospel. Um, The Bible doesn't give us contradictory information, right? The Bible fits together, it holds, it, it stays consistent. The gospel tells us that Jesus came to save us, not that we have to save ourselves, right? The gospel, the Bible and the gospel doesn't come to tell us to be better people. It comes to tell us that we need to be new people. We need to be remade and reborn, not just get our act together and, and do more things and follow more rules. And so when we read the Bible, if our tendency is to come up with more rules and more burdens and more things that we have to do to make God love us, then we have missed the point of Scripture. The gospel is in every page because every page leads us to Jesus who tells us that you cannot save yourselves, but I have come to save you. The Bible is about grace all the way through. So don't make it a burden. And this comes to our Bible reading, too. We don't read the Bible so God loves us. We don't get points for the consistency of doing it every single day. No, we read to see the beauty of Jesus who has come to save us and make us new. So don't make the Bible into works. Don't make it into legalism. Don't make it into another burden to carry. See the beauty of the gospel and the free grace and love that Jesus gives us. All of Scripture brings us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, start with Jesus, keep the whole story in mind, and keep the gospel in mind. These will help us to see and and read Scripture the way Jesus did. Jesus closed out his instruction to his disciples in, in chapter 24, verse 48. And this is where he tells them, you are witnesses to these things. You are witnesses. Jesus gave them this instruction, the way to see how everything leads to him. And then he said, now go and tell other people the same. 
See the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of the gospel in all of scripture. Now go and tell everyone you can about this message. Go and show everyone else the thing that you have seen. I've opened your eyes to the scriptures. Go and open other people's eyes as you tell them what you have learned. As followers of Jesus, we should be diving into our Bibles. We should be and we should be resting in it, studying it, learning from it, so that we can see the beauty of Jesus and we can give it to other people. This is our call, Calvary Church, to be witnesses to these things. Scripture contains the truth, the story that we must bring to other people. We must be the witnesses for Jesus in all of Scripture. Calvary Church, we've got a really cool opportunity to do this and to do it together and to, and to learn sometimes to, how to do this the very first time. If you've not done this before, if this sounds intimidating and confusing, that's okay. Pastor Kendrick talked about the next 50 days, we're going to be reading through the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And the book of Genesis is full of Jesus. It is, has so many beautiful ways that it points us to the gospel, that it points us to the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are going to study that together as a church. We're going to be talking about it on Sunday mornings. We're going to be reading just one chapter every day. We're even going to be posting videos for you guys every day of someone reading that chapter. So if, if reading's not your thing, you can listen to it and you can and, and have it in your mind and have it come into your ears. But I would challenge you, read the Bible with us together. Let's do this as a church. Let's dive into the scripture so that we can see and love and treasure Jesus even more. This might be a really big thing. This might be the first time you've really dove into a big Old Testament book. And that's okay. This is a challenge. This is an exciting thing that we can do. And it's not so that we can find all of these new rules that I have to follow. It's not so I have to learn about all of the intricacies of the Bronze Age. No, it's about seeing the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus. I hope you'll join us in doing that. So, Calvary Church, treasure the Bible that God has given to us so that we can see and love Jesus more and more, read it, learn it, and share it with other people. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we are, we are so thankful that, that you have come to us because we can't get to you. Father, we are in a world that's so full of noise, that's so full of different messages and different ways where we can get lost. I pray that your word would be a light that cuts through the darkness, that it would be a voice that that crowds out all of the other noise, that as a church we would see you in all of Scripture, that we would love you and love the gospel that you have given us. And that we would be witnesses to go and tell our community, to go and tell our city the beauty of Jesus Christ that we have been given. Father, make us into people of your word, people who are shaped and formed by your word. And then send us out to be people on mission, to be witnesses for Jesus. We ask that you would do that in us this week, in our church going forward. Father, we love you. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.